Just take a shit. Just what? While while we're recording? No. (laughs) (laughs) That that might be a new low for this podcast. (laughs) Would would it though? Welcome. This is an unexpected, impromptu, long sapper podcast. Yes, I know it's the off season. I know. Um, but there's something come up and we just wanted to talk about it. So here we are. I'm Adam and Rich and Pat are both with me. Hello, gents. How are we? I'm good, Adam. I thought this was going to be a mock draft. You've got me here under false pretenses. <laughs> this is no, no, this is a mock draft free zone. It's also a Mark and Craig free zone, which means... It'll and be us. a Dennis Irwin chat free zone, I hope. I really hope. <laughs> that should be the only mention that we'll have of Dennis Irwin this evening. Uh, you, that's twice. Um, we've said his name twice in 40 seconds. <laughs> he's good, but he's no Scott Laird. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That'll get him riled up on Twitter later. Is Graham, is Graham Wesley back in charge of Stevenage yet? Not yet, no, no. We did get knocked out of the Heart Senior Cup this week, so... Uh... You I know, saw the Rebel are in full swing. Was that the same competition that you thrashed Ware FC in? It was, yeah. We followed it up with an inspiring nil-nil draw with King Langsley and lost on penalties. <laughs> King King Langsley? Yeah. King's Luck- Langsley. Luckily, no that one outside Hertfordshire will have spotted that faux pas, but unfortunately, I'm... I did. But Fine. An official journalist called it King's Lins, so, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm head of the game in that regard. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well-known Hertfordshire village. Yeah, our King's Lynn just makes me think of Partridge, because anywhere in Norfolk will make me think of Partridge. And, and almost everything will make you think of Partridge. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I As anyone, to the... who's, anyone who's spent more than five minutes in, in your presence will yeah, know. Yeah, I know. I, I just had an internal monologue earlier today about how if if I was a radio DJ which is ludicrous from the very outset. But if I was a radio DJ, I find it impossible not to just revert to the Alan Partridge, Dave Clifton exchanges. Be like, constant. Deliberately. It's it would be absolutely... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd overrun my show and then swear <laughs> and accuse the other guy of failing to control me, that sort of thing. Uh, things what, to look forward to. Did that gag? Uh, well, you know, what could we... <laughs> Nothing if not repetitive. <laughs> anyway, the thing that spurred us to get together was an innocuous WhatsApp chat, as it can often be. But the, well, long-awaited CBA, which is, well, it had another year to run. And probably six months or a year ago, the world was quietly starting to worry about this, as if we're potentially heading into the another strike situation i say another strike situation 10 years ago when it was done i think we were close to that and we'd nearly had a truncated season it was a rushed schedule there was a, a london game that wasn't sold out all these little things that things like that that affected us now it looks like it's going to get done a year early and a couple of late curveballs 
to this, which I wanted to discuss. Well, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, I think we all expected it to be a very long slog, and it, and and when you know when this CBA announcement came out, and we were seeing that the the owners were all you know all on board, and it had gone to the NFLPA. I think we all expected it to rumble on for a long time and be a background story for the whole of this coming season, and and all of a sudden it's it doesn't seem like it's going that way, which is odd. Yeah, I don't know really know where this has come from, but as as you say, it's it's I guess that's welcome news. Um, assu- assuming that it does get done, I mean, I'm poorly underprepared for this this side of things and the legality of everything. <laughs> uh, but they're now putting it to to a vote, and it it's only going to need a majority rather than two thirds to pass, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but a few, maybe I'm mistaken. Looking at your faces. But... <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That is true. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. We all know what happens when 52% gets to decide things for everyone. It's <laughs> oh, <like geez>. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any examples where that's ever happened and been significant. So, no, no, um, N- not any that I haven't blanked out from my mind. Anyway, it's best not to think about it. Um, yeah, the a few players have been a bit outspoken. In this, the sort of presumptuousness of this has got one or two goats up. So JJ Watt, for example, Richard Sherman, um, who was before we came on air, um, Pouncy, as which Pouncy was it? Uh, Marquis. Marquis. He uh, wasn't too impressed with that. Had, had a few, had a few not safe for work things to say about it. Oh, not safe for work, but definitely safe for this podcast. Um, maybe not not safe for every podcast. Well, if you feel it is safe, maybe you could play in the forty uh, odd seconds that he's thrown on on Twitter. If <laughs> yeah, that, bothered. <laughs> that the not being bothered is a much bigger factor than <laughs> being safe. Maybe maybe I will. We'll see because I'm not prepared to commit to, at this stage. <laughs> hey, I did, and here it is. Man, the shit's so fucking crazy, man. I vote no. Fuck that shit. Our NFL PA, the, the, the dudes at the top, the leaders, man, that shit all fucking bullshit. Fuck that. They ain't looking out for the best of the players. And if y'all want my vote, the Pouncy Twins vote no. And if any player or uh, any one of our teams, if y'all heard for rent money or anything while we go through this lockout, call us. Man, we got way more money than what they had back in the days. We ain't got to worry about that. All the vets on each team stand the fuck up. Stand up. Show these guys that we care about them. Man, I care about all you young players, and I love you guys to death. I ain't gonna let y'all down. Trust and believe. They trying to sign a bullshit-ass deal just so these motherfuckers that sit in the president can go around and smile and say, I got something done. You didn't get shit done. Uh, but the, the two things, the two pieces of, well, I guess slightly shocking news. It looks like they're going to happen. As for when, I don't know for certain, but... We might be looking at a 17th game in the schedule. And also, we might have another playoff team from each conference. Yeah, I'm not sure I like the seven teams from each from each conference in the playoffs. I don't know why I don't like it. And it's not just your usual Adam doesn't like change argument against it. I mean, I hate change. <laughs> obviously, Obviously, there's a part of me that likes the idea of an additional playoff game, you know, in, in that bye week, 
makes more excitement. I think I think my main objection is I'd almost rather it went to eight or stayed at six. Yeah. Because I'd rather enough. because I'd rather that I'd rather either every team has to play in well it wouldn't be a bye week anymore, but that wild card round. Or more than one team gets the benefit of a week off. Yeah. If you're gonna change it, changing it to seven is ludicrous. Change it to eight, get a nice even spread throughout your playoffs, it makes a lot more sense. This is, I mean, the 17 game thing's going to eat eat away at my OCD anyway, but I totally agree with that. Um, I, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't favour any sort of increase. I mean, there have been a few mutterings and you know, everyone's looking back at the stats and coming up with, well, if if we had this rule then, then such and such would have made the playoffs. Um, uh, yeah, you, you stick eight teams from each conference, so that's half the league all of a sudden. Then that, well, then I mean, that... let's have eight expansion teams and five divisions oh. in each conference. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one is that the Steelers would have made the playoffs the last couple of years and a few, yeah, obviously the season we've just had, that would have been terrible. The 2016 Titans is the one um, where Marcus <laughs> Mariota went down injured in week 16. So you would have had Matt Castle in the playoffs for the Titans. I mean, but the, yeah, there are going to be countless examples of this. I, I don't see, we. Uh, how often do you come away from a season thinking, yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't great because such and such weren't in the playoffs. I, I question that. I think, I think the thing is that it, it opens up more of an opportunity for a team that comes into form late in the season to make that playoff run and potentially, you know, if somebody's suffered a load of injuries early on in the season, that's that's caused them to lose a few games it gives it gives a talented squad who have been unlucky the opportunity to get players back and then make a run in the playoffs when they wouldn't have normally but i don't know how often that that's likely to happen i think the thing that's interested that's interesting to me is the fact that if they bring in the 17th game there's talk of there being two bye weeks so you get an early season bye week and a late season bye week which then does make that bye week in the playoffs a little bit less key. But I think it also means that there will be teams who have locked up, I don't know, second or third seeds who are much, much more likely to play weakened teams in their 16th and 17th games because they know they're not going to fall out of the playoffs. They know they're not going to get a bye. You know, it, it just means that we're going to get some garbage time games towards the end of the season when those teams are trying to get players healthy again. Yeah, an, an extra week in the regular season, an ex- second bye week in the regular season makes sense because it allows more of your better players to be playing more of the time. It extend, extends the season out a little bit and more football is always good, I think. And it means that the Super Bowl will be taking place later on, so more cities become like weather-relevant places you can hold it. So it's it's beneficial a lot of ways around that, I think. Are we assuming that the Super Bowl would be pushed back into the middle of February and, the, and rather that than the season starting earlier? I mean, it... no, I think the season starts earlier because they'd only have they'd redu- at the moment. What is it? Four preseason games they've had the last few seasons and they're talking about reducing that to three. Yeah. And so that's where your 17th game comes from. Yeah. They, so there's they, no they more. They need to be going games. 300% further with that. Anyway, that's another matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but that's where your additional game comes from is that their their argument is that the the NFL squads don't have to play any more games there just is less preseason and less preseason is a good thing right i don't think you need given 
given that teams don't really use them properly, most teams are rusty coming into week one, two, three anyway, certainly from an offensive perspective. I don't know that preseason does much positive for the NFL as a sport and as a spectacle. No, nothing at all. I, I've been very clear about my thoughts on the preseason yep. since forever. It, it's an absolute joke. I mean, well, it, we scrap it. Just go straight from training camp into the season. I, I would genuinely be fine with that. And if teams want to, teams can. Well, okay, organize you. This is this. This is one of those moments where I'd normally say <laughs> this is this is one for the off season, or let's chat about this. In the yeah, let's it is chat the off season, so we we can't get out of that. Uh, I'd be, I'd be all for like arranging teams to get together and fine, have a structured game, but I don't the teams already don't, do that. Don't teams yeah, they do, do like the pre gate, the pre preseason game scrimmaging across teams. Like that's a useful way to put your offense up against defense. Just, just do that more. I mean, I, I guess do, well, it's the, do you need to televise it? Do you selling tickets? I mean, it's just, it's such a, non-events there's no competitiveness there's no edge there's no reason to watch it unless you're an absolute nerd and it doesn't it doesn't tell you it doesn't tell you anything about these players anyway you, there's all there are always players that you'll see i don't want to use christian wade as an example because that's not fair on him but the, the buzz surrounding him because he had a, cu- a couple of monster runs in the preseason. so that oh look look at this he's, he's not going to play and yeah, you, just, yeah. you always get this, and it's just because he's playing against third-string linebackers, and he isn't. Yeah, he's third, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not testing out what your starting teams are going to be like. Like you get at the start of association football seasons, it's more about is this guy going to make the squad? Is he going to make the practice squad? It's that sort of level, and you're doing potential practice squad players versus potential practice squad players. That's sort of XFL level, right? And most of most of the first team reps are just trying to shake a bit of the rust off your quarterback and your wide receivers really like it's not like anyone is putting up if you're gonna if you're gonna throw some new wrinkles into your offensive play calling you're not gonna do it in the games you're gonna do it in behind closed doors practices yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely so it's, it it does feel pointless I'd, I'd almost rather they so part of the cba reduces the number of padded practices in the preseason i would rather they didn't reduce the number of padded practices in the preseason but reduce the number of um preseason games instead and put that put those reps into practices totally where great. they're actually useful yeah about so the the two bye weeks the two bye weeks was trialed in the early 90s and got rid of i don't really know why there's probably a reason i haven't googled it but I don't, I don't know what, you know, there's a specific reason for keeping the season the length that it is. I don't know why there's a negative about two bye weeks, regardless of an extra game or regardless of how long the season is. I don't know how, who that does any harm for. It, if, if anything, it, it, it should tick loads of boxes. It should, it helps the players get fit. It helps them recover. There are more television windows from having an extra week. Um, you know, as as we've seen from the the Premier League winter break, such that that is, but that's more you know, games spread out across longer. You know, it 
I was going to talk about scheduling, but there's some shambolic scheduling right there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely don't have, I don't have the inclination to get into that. But yeah, regardless of whether we're talking about 16, 17, 18 game season, whatever, I don't see how an extra bye week is a bad thing. Or I, even three. I, genuinely, I, I mean, it's, it's. I genuinely have no issue with an extra bye week, and actually, I'm very, I'm probably more pro an extra bye week because the 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 worst thing as a fan is the wear and tear on players making your team worse than you know it can be. Yeah. And so I would rather have. So the Niners, for example, had a bye week in week four or five, I think it was, of this season. And it meant that we had a number of players who were really struggling with knocks towards the end of the season to the point where I was convinced that if we if we got the number one in that Seahawks-Niners game, if we got the number one seed, we could go to the Super Bowl. And if we didn't get the number one seed, the amount of injuries we were carrying meant that we were absolutely almost certain to go one and done or at best two games in the in the playoffs. And, yeah. and I, I had no hope for us making the making the Super Bowl. But I think if we'd had a bye week in, say, week 13 as well, somewhere around there, I think I'd have felt a lot more bullish about not having to, not not getting a bye week in the playoffs. And who doesn't want to see more fit players playing? I exactly. Mean, there are, that can work both ways, you know. If we hadn't lost Nick Foles in week two, how long would it have taken uh, Gardner to <laughs> <laughs> I said week two, what I meant was drive two. But uh, <laughs> by the time we got to drive two, it felt like week two. Well, well, that's that's potentially true. But do you not think if if Foles had been playing as badly as he played for for a lot of your season by about week six or seven, the fans would have been screaming for anyone else anyway? And the fans often get their way in those situations. Yeah, the fans would have been screaming. The front office would take an extra month or so thinking about it, probably, on past history. <laughs> OK, yeah. so what what about a 17th game then? So if It's a weird one, isn't it? Because how does that work in terms of like home field versus non-home field advantage? You get someone like the Seahawks where if they're... they're like they have to play nine nine away games or nine home games, that one game might be enough to swing them in the playoffs or not. If well, if that's how it would work. So this this is really so what I love since the two thousand and two realignment when the, the Houston Texans were created and they moved the Seahawks from the AFC to the NFC and they realigned divisions and, and so on. And you, instead of having thirty one teams in the NFL briefly which was just ludicrous uh we we then had we had 32 in eight divisions of four instead of six divisions of varying sizes it all it was all beautifully symmetric you had six 16 game schedules where every single team plays four games against first place teams four against second place etc you rotate the divisions it's all perfectly fair and logical and then there's this idea that we chuck another game in and I don't know what that game, what that extra game would be, and it, it, it's it's going to be an imbalance unless unless every single team plays a neutral site game, which I don't think I say I don't I don't think is about to happen, but yeah, you're going to have to rotate something or alternate something, or it's it's going to be artificial. I don't again, I at the risk of saying I hate change, I don't <laughs> see yeah, it's more more football, but do we really need that? 
I think I think from my perspective, I don't like it if it's an additional home or away field advantage. What I wonder is whether the NFL is aiming at having all of these 17th games wherever they happen to land in the season as a neutral international game. I think they'll take more games to Mexico. I think they'll try and bring more to the UK. So potentially eight or even 10 games over here um, or, or some in the UK, some in Europe. I, I think that the the fairest way from a sporting perspective is to give no one a home field advantage by putting those games outside the US, wherever they happen to be. Yeah, agreed. I'd, I'd sooner see the 17th game being a neutral site venue for everyone, regardless of what country that neutral site ends up being in. Or you drop a second preseason game and play 18 and have two even sets of nine. Which, same argument as applies to the even um, postseason with two lots of eight. It's still, uh, yeah, I suppose I, I, I get that. I mean, are, is there a, an appetite for 16 international or neutral site games? Okay, the, you might play, you could potentially play eight and 10 over here. The most we've ever had is four. Um, Mexico, other places potentially, other places in the States. Mexico, Mexico is surprisingly passionate about the NFL. Um, their, their single games over there, I mean, they, they almost have like city-wide celebrations of them from what I saw from the game from this year. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking to put maybe even three or four games down there. Yeah, and you're not telling me from the ones we've seen at Wembley that you couldn't sell out a game in Germany or in Ireland or in Norway where there's tons of fans coming in from there. I could easily see a game being, or I could see two to four games in, I don't know, Bayern Munich Stadium or somewhere like that in, in Germany. There seems to be a ton of fans in Germany. Yeah, um, and I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they look potentially even further afield. I've got no idea what the level of appeal for the NFL is in places like I know Australia or South America, but I'm sure that when they first started doing London games, they weren't sure how much how much appeal they'd have here. It it depends what the NFL wants to do. I I, d I don't know where this leaves the Jags, um, for example, whether whether it makes a London team less likely. I, I my gut feeling is it probably does. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about a London team for a decade now. And, I don't I, don't know that it'll ever happen. No, I'm not. I'm not sure. I want it to. We've we've discussed this before, but I would I, love I, it. I'd love it if we got six to eight games in London every year and made it actually. Pretend, um, they could split that across Wembley and and Spurs. You know, four apiece or five three to to Tottenham, something like that. Just the, just the only give... the only thing Tottenham are going to win five three at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you'd want that to be twelve to sixteen different teams, right? Does will that become too diluted though? That's that's the concern. Like if it if we if you've got eight games in the UK every year and they end up just being different teams all the time, will the novelty wear off, or does mm. does the fan base want something consistent? I don't I don't know. Well, I thought that games... when it went up to four and they all sold out and all had pretty decent atmospheres from what I saw. You've only got to look at how pissed off fans were at having to deal with. Spurs having what 55 capacity versus the 85 that they get in uh, at Wembley 
you know, the fact that people were really angry that they couldn't get their season tickets for for that stadium and the fact that people were missing out. I think I think there is still I don't know where the limit is. Maybe it is six, maybe it's eight, but there's there's definitely enough fans over here that will just go to games regardless. And and even if they have to, you know, water down the prices a little bit. You know, there's plenty of fans. I didn't go at all last year because I looked at the prices and went, yeah, fuck that. I have. I think the Wembley games ended up being sort of 10, 15 quid a ticket on StubHub close to the close to the event or certainly the the was it the Rams Bengals, I think. That was only, yeah, the one shit game. Um, but yeah, I but don't even know. Still, I've, I've seen tickets for that kind of price for Niners games when the Niners have been not good at home. Yeah. yeah, it happens in every city. If your team isn't very good at the moment, the and tickets demand, are going cheap. I was going to say, demand to an extent will depend on what they do with the other games as well. So, you know, if you put a couple in Germany, then they're not going to have to travel to London, so the London demand will drop off. Yeah, that's true. But but again, I think even, even if the demand drops off, you could then shunt all of those games into the stadium that the NFL's put money into, yeah. put them all in White Hart Lane, and then then your supply drops a bit as well and you still sell those games out. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see and it's all going to happen quite soon with this. That, that's, that's the other thing. So well, that's there, the thing. Have How to do be... they work the scheduling out? If if this off-season, if, if the players um and are about it and then eventually agree and it's coming into kind of August time and the CBA is supposed to be enforced for the new season how the hell do they get all that stuff scheduled what i believe and i this is stolen from around the nfl and um, because this is what they thought <laughs> that the if there's an expanded playoff picture that will come in straight away because it doesn't change the size of the season it's just another two games a wild card weekend uh, but if there's a an extra game then that won't happen till 2021 Regardless. Yeah, that's what I read as well. It's deferred for a season because that gets right. announced in like April, doesn't it? Next year's schedule. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That's a much that's a much better way of doing it, and and ultimately it allows teams to plan for that stuff. Yeah. Because... I mean, and already we know the Jags have got two games over here in 2020, and that might not be that may not happen in future. Right. I, mean, I, I I assume they'll still have the one at least, but. Yeah. If there if there's now going to be a seventeenth neutral site game and they're eight home eight on the road they might do that they might try and do that differently they might not I mean this is, this is we are just guessing until we until we know more it seems the word from America though is more more strongly that it it's nine home nine eight road and that will rotate year on year which it, I just can't handle that, that's what <laughs> I don't, that's I don't an like way that. to do it it would be classic NFL as well if um they took a game away from Jacksonville and the Jacksonville fans got furious and then they expanded the season and everyone thought, oh, they're going to give it back to us. Great, we're going to get a game back. And then they gave three to London. That would be hilarious. <laughs> what, what would be hilarious is if if your Jags end up doing effectively a seven and nine or what, seven and ten home and away, counting one of the London one as effectively sort of an away season. That'd be such a typically Jags thing to have to deal with. Yeah, and seven and ten would be a successful season as well. <laughs> oh that's that's another thing could you i can't imagine final standings looking like that 
well, make my 17 and 0 faux pas earlier in the year. Much yeah, more yeah. premonition. <laughs> yeah, you, you were ahead of everybody with that, I think. Poor old Jeff Fisher, though. Uh, what's what's he going to do? He would go seven and ten. Eight, eight and nine bullshit. Seven and ten bullshit. It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> Poor guy. Um, just just uh, one of the things that I was reading is the um, the suggestion that actually we might get a mid-February Super Bowl because the NFL doesn't want to start the season before Labor Day and the US sports calendar is relatively empty in February, which which is true, other than the XFL. So it shunt the XFL by a couple of weeks as well. Does, is there, when's President's Day? That's around then, isn't it? I've heard some suggestions about that there's a bank holiday <laughs> one of the Mondays later. So, so that would make that sense. Coincide might be popular. But, well, we, we will see. Before, before we well get out of here, I said let's have a chat for 20 minutes. You know how these things go. Yep. Um, the yep. XFL, either of you watched any? Uh, yeah, I watched the first week and a bit of the second week and completely forgot about it last weekend. <laughs> But that might be because I was really drunk on Sunday. It's a recurring theme with you. I've watched the 10-minute highlight packages of every game so far. It's an interesting watch. There's a lot of um, the the odd really good play and a lot of quite mediocre play wrapped around it. It's it's a bit like watching middling college teams play each other. Mm. Because you get those moments where Defences can't tackle because they're crap. And so you get these amazing running back or wide receiver, you know, yards after catch type plays that you would never get in the NFL because most of the time they can make those tackles other yeah. than on Patrick Mahomes in key playoff games. Yeah. Right. I am enjoying watching people who don't it's true. care that much smashing each other really hard, which is happening now and again off the ball. <laughs> It's stuff right. that it's kind of ironed out of most of the NFL games, like Bengals and Perfect aside. You know what I'm really enjoying is the. I, I don't. I'm not a massive wrestling fan. I was as a kid, but I grew out of it, unlike some people. Um, and <laughs> one of the one of the things that I do like that they've brought in is the very immediate reaction stuff. So you'll get, you know, a quarterback will throw like a horrible turnover worthy play and within 20 30 seconds they've got a reporter with a microphone in their face asking them about it and it, it's it makes for some absolutely incredible reaction tv all right here's here's the thing for all the hipsters that have been droning on about how great the xfl is and how the nfl should do everything exactly as they're doing it because it's hey it's hey, hey, hey. It's... hang on a second hang on a oh, second no, no no jack is not a hipster he may have a silly beard, but he's not a hipster. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, I, li- I, li- Sorry, I like your beard, Jack, by the way, for what it's worth. It's a... Russ clearly doesn't. No, Russ doesn't, does he? But he's got an upside-down head. Um, all, the, all the hipsters out there that are trying to push everything that the XFL does and saying, yeah, they should do this in the NFL, things like that mean that they, it would just lose credibility. Yeah, fine. It's entertaining to stick a microphone under a quarterback's nose who's just done an interception, but you can't do that in a serious sports league. It just doesn't it doesn't work. It's gimmicky. 
it's entertaining sure but i'm not having it like you can't you in a serious game in a big game this i i felt that i've not watched and i'm not gonna say too much because i haven't watched much of the xfl but i felt it had like a pro bowl sort of vibe where you can like you can hear the play calls and stuff and there's all sorts of gimmicks and i'm not saying obviously the pro Bowl's terrible the big difference is that the players are trying and they're hitting each other hard as you say so that, yeah. that's that's something very different but you can't if you suddenly have these gimmicks in the nfl it's only going to take so long before they're abused and teams are using them to try and cheat you know ima- imagine you could hear imagine in an nfl broadcast if you could hear the play calls it would well, take seconds they're... before you've got signals and all sorts of subterfuge going on i think they're you know, delayed but... So the actual broadcast is delayed enough that they, there won't, teams couldn't do that because obviously in the XFL, okay, teams would be looking at doing that anyway. Um, I think, I think, weirdly, Adam, I agree with you. I don't think the NFL <laughs> should try and copy a lot of the stuff that the XFL is doing, other than the kickoffs, which I quite like because you still get a decent amount of tackling, but you're not having players running at each other from. 30 yards away so it saves the it saves the kickoff which the nfl seems almost determined to kill yeah i thought um, the kickoffs were going to be absolute carnage and they've actually worked really well yeah the problem is you can't do an onside kick is that, is that um, right? but, they, but they've got a like fourth and some 15 other, type thing yeah they've got some other nonsense that they've they've brought in for that but regardless i i don't think the xfl i don't think the nfl should take on a a lot of the XFL stuff, I think 80 to 90% of it should should just stay with the XFL. What I am excited for is having what feels like a younger cousin, younger brother situation for the NFL where players that maybe didn't shine in college can actually come through, develop a bit later. You know, that they're, they're not just limited to practice squads as their ability to shine and show that they're actually talented. But but we may find that there are players. I mean, you think of the number of again association football players who came through in their kind of mid to late twenties and suddenly became really good players who would have been thrown away yeah. in the NFL system because in their early twenties they didn't hit their stride. Yeah, it's it's quite nice seeing some of the players who've um, maybe not quite made it at the NFL grade. And you're like, oh, that's where Cameron Artis Payne is now. I did wonder what he was. <laughs> it reminds me of like when players drop down the football league pyramid and you're suddenly like, hang on, that can't be the Tom Saws, can it? Oh, he is. Oh, and he's rubbish now, but he's here. Who was the... Who was the more, um... more coaches that have popped up that have surprised me. I was expecting more of that. Um, but, like, Jerry Glanville um, is, is, like, the, the coordinator of one of the, one of the teams in the XFL, Norm Chow. Uh, he's, he's literally done nothing for twenty years, and he's suddenly he's suddenly an XFL coach. And, and I know I know the XFL is very much trying to distance itself from being a feeder league for the NFL. But ultimately, if you look at other sports, like particularly in baseball, where they have AAA and and lower, like farm leagues, I think they refer to them as, where you've got these play, you know, the ability for players to develop at a lower level of the sport that's not just college and then if you're done, you're done. Um, I, I think will be positive thing for the NFL for a long time if the XFL keeps going. And it appears that enough fans are embracing the XFL in the way that they didn't with the eight AAF um, that I think it might, it might be yeah. sustainable, potentially. I hope it is. I really do. 
I, at the risk of shocking you, agree with you about that. The 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 player development thing is. I'd I'd sooner back a player on the back of an XFL performance than a preseason performance. I can tell you that much. Absolutely. <laughs> one one issue that I do see with this is, and we're going to find out, and that if a player has played, is it a ten game season in the XFL plus two postseason games potentially between now and April May whenever it is, um, can that player then play a full season in the NFL regarding? Um, like fitness, like concussion issues, things like that. Will will there be an issue with playing that many games in the calendar year? Because NFL teams aren't going to want to see a player do well in the XFL and then wait over a year to sign them. Well, I I suspect what will happen is that players players the vast majority of players let, let's be realistic about it that come out of the XFL and are picked up by an NFL team are not going to be starters. So these are guys that are going to come in and they're probably going to be fourth or fifth option wide receivers, for example, or swing tackles. So the expectation is not that they would come in and play a full season as a starter. I suspect they'll come in and they'll be maybe practice squad guys or the bottom end of the 53 roster. But the C, go back to the CBA that we talked about at the start, that limits all this sort of stuff, like the, the amount of hits you can take, the amount of reps you can take. And if a, if regardless of whether they're going to make the they're going to be a starter or not you've got all that all that game time i don't know the terminology here yeah um but in in association football you'd be in the red zone or is that a cricket i can't even remember yeah there's, there's all sorts of all sorts of stuff <laughs> um ultimately i think the way they'll deal with it is to say that the xfl and the nfl are completely separate and the cba doesn't recognize the xfl doesn't take it into account and so they just won't they won't care about it and ultimately players <laughs> will be right. so desperate to get into the nfl and get those salary hikes that they they'll just they won't give a shit they'll take the extra you know it's 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 like players playing the african cup of nations over the summer and then coming straight back into playing football with barely a break they'll just do it because it's it's right for the money take take the hit and and not worry about it Okay, and that, well, that's the thing. That's the thing I think with the CBA that we haven't really covered is is what are the positive things for the players. We've talked about the positive things for the league or the things that the league wants to do, but the players, you know, they're, they're upping squad sizes, which is good in terms of having more players actually making NFL rosters. They're upping the practice squad sizes, which means that those guys they only make. They only only make ten grand a week. I'd like to make ten grand a week. That'd be great. Um, but you know those those guys that are a lot of them. You know you hear hear these stories about them living in their car next to the, the practice facilities because they can't they can't afford to take a lease for twelve months because they don't know where they're going to be two weeks from now. You know I think if if you've got more stability there from a squad perspective, more players that can potentially come in and, and earn that money rather than sitting on the sidelines hoping for a deal. Um, I think there are some positive things. What's going to be interesting is the the suggestion at the moment seems to be that the superstar players are anti the CBA and the middle and lower class players are pro it, which means it will get voted through. I'm not sure that's the case. There seems to be a bit of a... Uh, an owner-driven agenda against 
the players that say no because obviously they just want this thing waved through so that they don't have to worry about their revenue streams for next season or the season after even. Does it come yeah. with an associated salary cap increase? It will do because the split the split of revenues is going to be 51.5, 48.5 in favour of the owners, obviously, which seems like such a dickish thing to do. Just make it 50-50. Who gives a shit? <laughs> You're earning billions it's about, anyway. It's about there's probably some control thing there or some legal thing i suspect fucking nonsense yeah. <clears throat> just make it 50 50 pay pay the players that's what people ultimately i don't give a shit about the owners all i care about is seeing the players on the pitch yeah yeah i don't think anyone's going to disagree with that right we've we've gone on for longer than even i thought we might um <laughs> i wasn't going to do any other business but if you know if either of you have got anything you want to get off your chest in the last two or three weeks then Now's the time. Or we're going to do a Ben Eustace and just say no. <laughs> I don't think I've got anything that I'm so particularly worked up over. Um, I I will say my any other business is going to be someone else's any other business. I'm very much looking forward to Doug's any other business on the mall over, whichever the next mall oh, over is yeah. after well, his Heathrow-based rant today. That was amazing. Go, go to at Chinese underscore Lensman's Twitter feed and have a look at, well, it was just a, an entire morning played out of rant after rant of, uh, and I, I, I'm totally with him. It, it looks like a horrible soulless place. Well, <laughs> who flies Terminal out of Terminal 2? 2? I've, I've, the Queen. <laughs> and I've not flown out of Terminal 2 for, for probably five, eight years. I don't know. I can't remember the last time. I doubt it because it's only it's only existed in uh, in its per, uh, current guys in as for like three or four years, I think. Oh, did they redo it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think my, like... my personal highlight was there are six places you can get champagne and none where you can get a filter coffee. I don't believe that. I'm certain there's a place in there that does filter coffee. It's just inside <laughs> a decent. There was there is. I I actually went on. Um, I actually went on to try and find somewhere, partly because I wanted to be like, Doug, there's a Costa just around the corner and you've missed it, because I thought that'd be entertaining, but partly because I wanted to help the guy out. I just felt really bad for him. But there is a, there's a young oh, come on. <laughs> there's a Young's pub in w- there. Would he have done that for you? I believe he would. <laughs> Probably wrong. Um, no, he would have done it for the same reason, which is to yeah, be yeah, about right. the fact that I was wrong. <laughs> um, there's, there's a Young's pub in there, and I'd be amazed if they don't do a filter coffee. But they probably still charge you three quid for it. I'd be Nest Cafe instant. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that would be. That doesn't really fit in with the the six outlets that do champagne and caviar, really, does it? But there you go. Go and find that. Any other business on Twitter, it's it's worth a a little a little scroll to find that. And then listen to this week coming's all over because i'm certain it'll be on there yeah it sounds like it you might bring it up but there we go also if you haven't already listen to the long leg podcast russ and i did a a show last week it won't have dated because there hasn't been any cricket other than the women's t20 and we which we didn't discuss um i meant to but you know like a lot of things we just forget um, <laughs> due to lack of preparation like like this um but there we go Good to get together, um, despite the promise of not getting together for several weeks or months, but 
you know, there we go. I'm we might sure do it again. Uh, we we probably should when the players vote down the CBA. Just just <laughs> but but just a, a set of clips of players being angry about the CBA, not any of us actually talking. Fair enough. Um I should find out if you've got that clip of Pouncy, then I'll uh, I'm gonna stick that in. There you I'll go. Send it to you. Cool. Right. Um yeah. Thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll be back soon, maybe. Probably not. Soon. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's non-committal. I'm not, I'm, we'll, all right, we'll be back next week. No, we won't. At, at some point in the future, before before the season starts, maybe. Some of us, anyway. <laughs> no, Craig wanted to record so. next week. Maybe you can just get him to do a monologue. Yeah. Stand going. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Later, everybody. Go well. Bye. I'm going to say breaking news, although that would be a lie because I think it was last week. Um, Brown's offensive tackle, Greg Robinson. That's not right. Yes, it is. I'll start that again. <laughs> it is Greg Robinson. Darren Ravel's the beat writer. I don't want to accuse him of doing this. <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm going to leave this in. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. Best breaking news Darren, ever. Darren Ravel has been accused... <laughs> He hasn't. It's Greg Robinson. It's definitely Greg Robinson. Alleged to have had 157 pounds of marijuana in his rental car. There's a picture of what 157 pounds of pot looks like. Um, it's on a pallet. That's all <laughs> That's you need to know. It's a big fucking rental it's car. on a pallet. Um, I don't know... <laughs> don't know where he was going. Um, it's probably more than just for personal use. He's going to do some serious time inside. I imagine it's, it's the end of a, a career. It's... Such a Browns thing, though, isn't it? Such <laughs> a Browns thing to do. That is quite some picture. It's just that's a lot of drugs. Um, you know, we, we do love we, a, we do love we, a bit of drugging. We do. We no. Well, I, look, I don't. No, but <laughs> some people talking do. about it. Yeah, <laughs> talking about it definitely. There yeah, you go. It's bit hard of... to claim personal use for it when it has to be taken away in a forklift. <laughs>